Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message. Amen. And so here across the campuses, feel free to grab a seat. If you're at 12 Stone Home, feel free to grab a couch or wherever you got sitting there. Today's going to be a little different than it has been in the past. Let's but start it's here. it's a good day. It's a good day. It's, it's a, a good really day. good day. How many of y'all are tired because you watched the Braves win last night? Come on. Come on, baby. Woo! Got some Braves jerseys in the house. It's a good day. It's been since I was a senior in high school since the Braves have been in the World Series. 99. And you were 60 when that happened. So I mean, yeah. it's been a, it's That's been a great, great That's great where we're going to go today? You want to go do this? I'm so sorry. Uh, here, here's <laughs> what we're going to do today. It's going to be a little bit like the Braves. When, when you when you got a whole nine innings ahead of you, right. you, you, you got to have multiple pitchers. Rarely does a pitcher make it all the way through a game. So I'm going to be the starting pitcher today, and then we're going to call in the closer, and you can come in and close things out. So at I the bring end. the heat. You bring the heat. When the game's on the line. This is bullpen. The, the, I'm warming up. That's correct. That's okay. That's, you, but you got to get the lead. I start off, and then I'll call you in for the second half. I'll All go right. 20, you go 20, and that's the day. So give uh, due honor as the starter tries to get the lead. Let's, let's Come on, do church. It. Let's hopefully let's start out with a lead. So welcome to 12 Stone. And here's the deal. We, we believe that Jesus wants to transform your life through worship, community, and impact. We believe he actually wants to transform you from the inside out because of Jesus and what he did. The person we just sung about, the one who brings hope, he wants to transform you from the inside out through worship, community, and impact. And we're going we're gonna to keep talking about that as a church because we believe it at a soul level. But let me start here. I am so encouraged and excited for where this church is going and where the church across America is headed. And you look at me and go, do you even watch the news how can you be encouraged and excited? Do you understand what inflation is? Do you understand what it looks like that we're not going to be able to get Christmas presents in time unless you ordered like six weeks ago? Do you, do you see how divided our country is still? How can you be encouraged and excited? Well, probably because I, I'm watching things that the news will never report. See, God is up to something. There's a couple at Buford campus that showed up to a neighborhood block party this summer in June. Showed up, started hanging out at 12 Stone. The husband was like, dude, I've got to understand this Jesus thing y'all are talking about. So got on the phone with the pastor and accepted Christ over the phone. And then he led his wife to Christ and they're both getting baptized today at Buford. That's not going to hit the news. But I'm so excited and encouraged for where we're going. A guy named Jason's been at 12 Stone. It's a great name, by the way. A guy named Jason's been at 12 Stone for five years. Finally jumped into growth track and discovered how God wired him and got how, how God made him and where his passions lie. Started serving in middle school. Now he leads a boys' middle school small group. And he is more fulfilled and excited about what God's done in his life. See, the news doesn't report stuff like that. Last night in this very room at Sugarloaf, all the campuses joined together with their middle schoolers and high schoolers. Some 600 students were in this room last night, which is why if you're here, you can still smell a little bit of a locker room. You smell it? That was last night. And they showed up here, and they wanted to learn, how do I make an impact right where I am? How do I be Jesus in the school that I'm attending? See, those stories don't make the news. But I'm watching things that are not on the news, and I am so encouraged and excited. You see, God is an opportunistic God. See, when, when things appear to be the worst, he's at his best. 
When, when things seem to be falling apart, they're merely falling into place for God. See, when, when the things that the world has placed, their faith and their trust and their hope in starts to fall apart, the gospel shines the brightest. We have an opportunity in front of us, church, that we've not had for a generation. The world looks the darkest it's looked in a long time, which means the gospel looks the most appealing it's looked in a long time for a lot of people. And we have something in front of us. And listen, God used this week to deepen this in me. See, something that never happens. Pastor Kevin and I got a chance to go to a conference this week on Tuesday and Wednesday. And we were there in the room with some two, 3,000 pastors. A thousand of them are church planners. And we were able to be in the room. And, and it was a joy because we didn't have to lead anything. We didn't have to speak on a stage. didn't have to drive any agendas. We could just sit and soak. And I'm, I'm just going to say it. We met with God this week. It was a, a life-changing two days for us. And here's, here's what was encouraging for me. From stage, in the lobbies, and conversations, there were two things that were said over and over and over again. Here's the first one. The last 18 months has been terrible. And you're like, why is that a good thing? Doesn't it feel good sometimes to know other people are going through stuff you're going through? Like, when it, if you think it's just you, and then you get around other, we were around other pastors, you're like, oh no, it was bad. The last 18 months was not fun. And that was encouraging because we're not alone. But here's the second thing we heard over and over again. God is calling the church to move forward. We heard the word forward from stage a dozen times. And we're going, that's the word God gave us for this four-week series we've been sitting in. God's calling us as a church to move forward. And God's encouraging us in this. And over the last four weeks, God told us how we're supposed to move forward. As a church, we're going to move forward this way, biblically conservative, socially compassionate, with common sense. And you're like, we've heard this so many times. I know, I'm going to say it again. We're biblically conservative. Listen, when the world drifts from the truth of God, we're going to hold the line. What is in the Bible is all God's truth, and we stand on that line. We don't change it. We don't add to it. don't subtract from it. Listen, when the world tries to paint the church as people that hate, we will love with the love of Jesus. We will lead with love because we've experienced the love that only Jesus can give. And so how can we not love people? But we're still biblically conservative. And we do it with common sense. When you look across the world and go, we've lost common sense, we will lead with the simple wisdom of God. You see, when we finished up at the conference, we had a five-hour drive home from Charleston, South Carolina. And we had plans for this week, and we sort of knew where we were headed and then over the course of that five-and-a-half, five-hour drive home, Kevin and I started talking and jumping into this thought of this weekend. We both had a sense that God gave me a picture, and God gave me a scripture, and God gave Pastor Kevin a scripture. And that's why today we're, we're sort of tag-teaming this teaching, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up and tell you, here's what I think God's given me as a picture and a scripture, and then Pastor Kevin's going to do the same. And I want to give you the scripture that God gave me, and we'll unpack it in a second, but I want to put it in place so the Holy Spirit can start preparing you for where he wants to take this, this today. So here's the scripture. It's in Matthew 9. You've probably heard this scripture a dozen times. Make it fresh right now. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. We're going to unpack this in a second. 
But that is the backdrop to the conversation I believe God wants to have with us. That's the scripture. Let me give you the picture. As I said, we were in Charleston, South Carolina this weekend, or this last week, Tuesday and Wednesday. So Pastor Kevin and I got there, and we were excited because it's a beautiful town. How many have ever been to Charleston? Here across the campuses, hands up. Beautiful city. Beautiful. Lots of awesome restaurants. And so we were excited. Like We were driving there going, we're going to figure out the places we want to eat. And so we got there and started asking around, and they gave us sort of the top list of here's the restaurants you've got to hit while you're in Charleston. So we go to the conference all day long, and the dinner break hits, and it's like, we can't get to the car fast enough. Sneak out the side door. I've seen some of y'all do that at church, and now I, I get it. Um, so we slipped out the side door, hopped in the car, made a beeline for what we were told is the best steakhouse in Charleston. Listen, what, what do we want to eat? We want red meat. That's what I want. So we get to the restaurant. We drive. We walk a couple blocks down to it, show up, and we're both like little kids like, we're here for the best steak in Charleston. He's like, awesome. Do you have a reservation? And we went, uh-uh. We just want steak. And he looked at us like we had three heads. He's like, you don't have a reservation. There's a reason we're the best steakhouse in town. There's a wait. There was like an hour wait. We had to be back at the conference in 90 minutes. So we're like, come on. Shoot. So we get in the car. Kevin's driving. I'm on, I'm on Waze, and I'm on Google searching other restaurants on the way to the place. And it's not fun not knowing a city. And so we're looking. And finally, here's what we had to settle for. There was a random mom-and-pop shop in a strip mall. We went from the best steakhouse in Charleston to a strip mall for dinner. And we both just kind of sadly cut up our bad steaks and ate them and went, we have one more shot tomorrow night. So we go to bed, wake up the next morning, get busy in the conference. You'd have thought we learned our lesson. Got busy all day in the conference. Dinner bell rings. We hit the car. We're going to the best seafood place in Charleston. Let's get some seafood, some crab cakes. It's going to be good. We drive up. We pull up. We're like, we're here for the best seafood in Charleston. And they said, awesome. Do you have a reservation? We said, not again. They said, it's an hour wait. We got 90 minutes to get back. We're like, come on. So we walk around the block. We end up at a place that's called like the Crab Hut. It was not good. They had hush puppies, which is a plus. Hush puppies are awesome. But that we had to settle for B restaurants the whole time we're in Charleston. We could have eaten better at any place here. Here's what I learned. The places you want to go require forethought, planning, and reservations. The places you want to go require forethought, planning, and reservations. And listen, we didn't think ahead. And by the time we were hungry, it was too late. We waited until we were hungry to try to get a table. And it was too late. And over the last four weeks as a church, we have unpacked the places we are putting planning and forethought and reservations as a church because by the time the world is hungry, it will be too late. By the time the world's knocking at the door going, okay, I need to hear about this Jesus thing. It's too late at that point. We can't wait till the world is hungry and listen. The world, what, what's happened over the last 18 months, two years has been tragic and horrible and exhausting for all of us. But I believe in my soul that the world is going to wake up and realize the things they've been chasing with their life are hollow and empty. You only can sustain chasing the things of this world for so long 
18 months, two years of just, I just got to get the next thing, get the, buy the next thing, use that stimmy check for the next cool thing I want, go chase the next position, the next ladder rung up, the next thing, and eventually you realize it's hollow and empty, and it's too late for us to prepare when the world's already hungry. I believe they're going to wake up in this next season, and there will be a mass awakening across this country of people going, everything I've chased and put my hand to is hollow and empty, and I'm hungry. And shame on us if we wait until they're hungry for us to set up a reservation. We're making our reservations now for what the world is going to need, and I am more convinced now that we're on the right agenda as a church, chasing the right things, and the world is getting hungry. See, I want to go back to that scripture. I want to unpack it. Because at the crux of this conversation, listen, if you, if you missed the last four weeks, go back and, and listen to where God's calling us as a church. But it's not enough that we just recognize where God's calling us. We have to jump in. We have to throw in. Back to Matthew 9. Here's what it says. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Here's what that means. There are lost people everywhere. There are people who are far from Jesus everywhere. I could leave this building or any campus or any 12-stone home, and within a mile of any place, there are people who don't know Jesus. Jesus is like, listen, there are people who need Jesus everywhere, but the workers are few. So what is our prayer? That the Lord of the harvest, therefore, would send out workers into his harvest field. Sometimes we get this prayer mixed up. God, would you send us people? Jesus is like, no, there's people everywhere. Would you send out workers? Listen, by the end of today, God's going to give you the opportunity to sign on and say, God, I am available. And can we be honest, in the last 18 months, if you're a follower of Jesus, sometimes your life starts to shrink and you become about your harvest. I got to keep food on my table. I got I to gotta sustain my life. And maybe today God's going to awaken you and give you the opportunity to say, God, I'm available I'm available for what you're calling us to. And over the last four weeks, we've laid out what God's calling this church to. The question is not, where are we going? The question is, are you coming with us? See, we started talking about next gen. And we said, listen, we, we see what's coming. And middle school, high school, elementary students are more biblically illiterate than they've ever been. And so we have to start where they are, not where we start. We start where they are. And we have to pour biblical knowledge into elementary school students. And we have to pour biblical values into middle school students. We have to pour biblical decision-making into high school students. So when they leave this church and they graduate from high school and graduate from 12 stone to their next, they don't graduate beyond Jesus See, that's our call as a church. Listen, as I prayed this week, as I said, God, as I walk through this vision, Holy Spirit, would you begin to tap on the hearts of people? I'm pre-warning you. <laughs> I asked the Holy Spirit to just be like a sniper, just, just pick you off wherever you're sitting and go, that's you. Maybe the Holy Spirit will tap your heart and say, you have to care about the next generation. I got texts and emails after the first week of the series of people who are in their 50s and 60s that said, Jason, I stopped serving in the next gen when my kids graduated. God's calling me back to care about other people's kids because ultimately they're all God's kids. And maybe that's what God's going to do to you. Maybe you're in this parenting season like I am, 
and you need to invest because this is for your kids and for your kids' friends. See, God's calling us as a church to care about the next generation. See, God's calling us to care about 12 Stone Home. There are people who will never step foot in one of our campus buildings, but they'll step foot into your living room or your coffee house or your tap room. They'll show up where you are, even though some people won't come to church. Maybe you've been watching online for 18 months, and it's time to be done. And it's time to say, listen, I'm either going to be out of campus or I'm starting a 12-stone home here where I live. I need to reach my neighborhood, my community, my city. We're picking three cities, and we're saying we're going to hire a city pastor. And we're going to go take cities for Jesus without having to build buildings first. Praise God. And maybe God's going to tap your heart and say, you need to be involved there. See, we're, we're talking about future campuses. We're launching a campus up in Jackson County. And maybe the Holy Spirit is going to tap your heart and say, listen, it's time to get involved. There are people in Jackson County that need Jesus. It's not about putting another building somewhere. It's about bringing the message of hope of Jesus Christ to people. And maybe God's going to tap on your heart and say, listen, be on the launch team for the Jackson County campus. And maybe you're sitting here like, I don't live anywhere near Jackson, so I'm off the hook on that one. (laughs) But maybe you're sitting at home watching right now, and it's time to get back to a campus. And not just show up, but be a worker for the harvest. It's time to reinvest in relationships and, and to renew our reach in this community. God's calling us back. See, as a church, God's calling us to compassion. Will you be in for Jambos in December? Let me just give you a challenge. Maybe the Holy Spirit will just tap on your heart. Maybe you take whatever you would have normally spent on Christmas, whether it's $10, $100, $1,000, or if you want to adopt me, $10,000 for Christmas. I don't know what you're doing. But maybe you take whatever you normally would spend on your family for Christmas and take 10% of it and say, I'm all in for Jambos. There are kids who are in foster care over the holidays. And what if we could show them Jesus through pajamas? I know it sounds silly. You're like pajamas, but it it matters. Maybe God would invite you to get off your agenda and be ambitious for other people in this way. We are going all in for loving people and compassion. Will God call you all in and will you be available? As a church, we're called to the residency program, pouring in the next generation of pastors. As a church, God's calling us into church planning. And maybe the Holy Spirit would just prompt you and say, I want you to pray different for the residents. Or I want you to pray different for what God's doing in church planning across this country. See, the harvest is not our problem. The workers are. And what Jesus would say is, listen, you don't necessarily have to pray for the harvest. It's waiting. Our prayer is that God would call workers into his kingdom. And here's, let me just, can I make the most practical and yet supernaturally powerful invite I can. If you call 12 Stone home, if this is your church, you have to get to growth track. You're like, what are you talking about? Another program? It's not. Growth track is just, it's three weeks, starts the first week of every month, and it helps you discover how God made you. You were made on purpose for a purpose. It helps you figure out your spiritual gifts, your wiring, And it helps you figure out how you get to make an impact for the kingdom. It helps you figure out how to become a worker in the kingdom. And over the next 12 months, 
our prayer is that every person at 12 Stone would get into Growth Track. Just text Growth Track 37748. Maybe you say, listen, I, I want to be involved in, in what you're talking about in this vision and next gen and campuses and all the things. I want to be involved. There's not much to do right now. We're targeting February for the first next gen rollout of our foundations class for our kids. You're like, what do I do between now and then? Growth Track. You can start that the first week of November. Get, make problems for us. So many people sign up. We have to do growth track in the sanctuaries. But I want you to leave knowing how God's called you and why would you go, I can't do November. I got to travel for some things. Great, do December. I can't do December. There's too much going on. Great, do January. Do February. This is a priority for us because God's calling us to something and it's too late to make our reservation when the world gets hungry. And maybe today, God would call you out and say, it's time to put your hand to the plow of the kingdom and get in on this and be a worker because the harvest is plentiful. And by the end of the day, you're going to have an opportunity to respond and say, God, I'm available. Before we get there, it's time to call in the closer. I've always wanted to do like that. I don't know what the signs are, but the closer's coming over. Pastor Kevin, why don't you close this strong, my friend? <laughs> Come on, give it up. There's so much I want to do right now, none of which is in the notes or appropriate. Like, Jason, I want to say, like, you should be chanting, like, bring the heat. Like, you should be, like... Bring the heat. Like, but it doesn't work if you're like, oh, bring the heat. Like, that wouldn't work. Like, you would have to, like, like, throw in. Like, you would have to deliver. Bring the heat. Bring the heat. Like, chant it. Do, I, do you think anybody will go with me anywhere? Will you, will you do this? Will you, like, okay, so wherever you are at the campuses, I'm going to walk back up. It's not for me. It's for you. Okay, so I'm going to walk back up. And then you at 12 Stone Home, everywhere you are, like, this is the closer, so, so you're going to bring the heat. Are you ready? So now I'm walking on again. We have got to do that every Sunday, Jason. Jason's over there like, no, it's because they didn't do it for you. But you did bring the heat, Jason. When Jason says we, he and I were marked at this conference, uh, we truly were. John Maxwell, uh, who you know is friend and mentor, we host the John Maxwell Leadership Center here, and uh, God's just doing really amazing things uh, through the work of Equip. He called me a couple of weeks ago, and we, we had a conversation. Uh, just we were catching up, and we talked about the impact of these last 18, 20 months and he talked about fear, talked about the conversations he was having with leaders uh, around the U.S. and around the world and people leading multi-billion dollar and multi-million dollar companies and people working for themselves and, and people at various levels of leadership. And, the, and the, one of the most dominant conversations is around the subject of fear, the subject of what? fear that that it that it's that it's found a central place and and that many it sits in the background but it's always there and some it's settled in as their new normal and and fear has a way of owning you here's the thing about fear in fact when john talked at the conference he he talked about the the truth of fear 
I mean, admitting himself, like we, we've all had fear. If, if you haven't, he said, if you haven't experienced fear, where have you been? Are you not paying attention? Here's the thing. Um, you know, fear has a way of putting you in park so that you can't go forward. Fear has a way of making you more about yourself than others. See, if you're full of fear, you can't be full of faith. Write that down. If you're full of fear, you can't be full of faith. One will push out the other. Fear pushes out faith, or faith pushes out fear. And if fear settles in, you can't walk by faith with God. You can't go do the things that we've been talking about over the last four weeks, the things Jason just summarized, the things that God is calling us to collectively to all kind of get our pebble and throw in as those who are workers in the harvest. We won't carry a fire. We won't bring the heat, so to speak. We'll just sit back and get stuck in park and kind of close our hands and protect ourselves and be about us. We got to get past fear. And you got to be honest to God. You've experienced it. What are you going to do with it? So, my purpose in these closing moments, end of the series, is to give us a couple of B's, two things to be. Let's, let's put it on the screen. It, it, we led with the question, how do we go forward? Here's the answer. Be fearless and be faithful. Say that in the same passion at which you chanted, bring the heat. You ready? Here's the answer. What is it, everybody? Be fearless and be faithful. Again, be fearless and be faithful. I like that. One more time. Be fearless and be faithful. See, I didn't plan to have fear as a companion when, when the shutdowns began. I was the one who stepped up and said, when things are falling apart for you, they're falling in place for God. I love great thoughts. But that was before. <laughs> I wrote down several that was befores. That was before we experienced real losses. That was before most every issue was politicized. That was before so many relationships were put on the line over things like mask or no mask, shot or no shot. That was before hundreds of thousands of deaths. That was before prevailing hostility as we assume the worst about others and the best about ourselves. That was before groups irrationally demand free speech for themselves but want the same rights suppressed in others. That was before jobs were threatened and the workforce became unstable. That was before some Christians took the option of biblically conservative without socially compassionate so that they don't have to care about people. That was before other Christians took the option of socially compassionate without biblically conservative so they don't have to care about sin. That was before feelings became authoritative and real facts like science became inconvenient. That was before cancer culture was popularized. That was before social media was exposed in the Social Dilemma documentary. That was before inflation and even more uncertainty 
certainty came for our future. See, it was before all of that, before it unsettled in me, the reality that fear comes to all of us in one form or another. And you got to deal with your fear. In fact, let's just be honest. It is easier to talk fearless than to be fearless. Amen? Oh, it's easier to talk fearless. I'm fearless than to actually be fearless. Uh, several years ago, I got a gift from a friend for driving school at Road Atlanta. It's pretty cool. Uh, so all, all, if you're familiar with Road Atlanta, it's like a 2.54-mile track, and it's a road track, and we got to do race cars, and, and, and I had a coach. And, and, and every, if you know the track, when you come to the end, the, the, the real pressure, the real dilemma is can you get around turn 12? It, you come into it, it's, it's, there's this rise, a blind rise, and then you go down a hill, and it's high speed, and in front of you is a wall, and then it's a hard turn to the right. How you handle that turn really matters, and, and, and so the, the, the race driving coach, he was driving, I'm in the passenger seat, and, and he's taking me through it, and he said, listen, when you come into turn 12, don't lift. I don't know if you know what that means, but that don't let off the gas, full throttle. I said, bro, you're not going to worry about me. I was born for speed. I'm quick Kevin. I do everything fast. <laughs> this ain't going to be a problem. He said, no, seriously. Amateurs in experience, they're surprised what happens to them inside when they come over the hill. I said, don't worry about me. <laughs> we train all day. We did in-class stuff. I got to do slow laps, medium laps, and then hot laps. Hot laps. He's sitting next to me. You would have been so proud. We come over the blind rise. I am full throttle down the hill, and all I can see is the wall. And something happened to me. I can't explain it. I did not do it voluntarily. Fear pulled my foot off the gas. What, 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 he said, what, 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 I told you don't lift. I said, I didn't. He said, you did. I said, my foot did. <laughs> I didn't do that. My mind had all gas, but my fear took over. Don't worry about it. We'll do it again. So we, we, do, we do the whole circle again, and I get there, and I'm like, just, I don't care if you die, just do not lift. And I lifted. I did what? I lifted. Let's do it again. Hot lap. I'm not flying around. I get, to, I get to turn 12, and I lift it again. Mess me up. I never successfully kept the throttle down through turn 12. Because it's easier to talk fearless than be fearless. I got to share that story uh, when I had a rare chance to talk with Hendrick Motorsports NASCAR group uh, not so long ago, a few years back. And, <laughs> and, I, and I, I told that story because I've got, you know, legends sitting there, uh, you know, Jeff Gordon, by the way, I got a picture with, with Jeff uh, Gordon, Marsh and I did, he is the perfect height, that's why he's a legend, he's 5'8", if you didn't know, Jesus was 5'8", if you didn't know, these are just side biblical facts, Any, in, anyhow, 
I'd speak in front of the group, and I told the story. And I said, guys, I have a huge respect because I lifted. I came to the, I, could, I couldn't, couldn't stop myself. When I got done with the talk, uh, Rick Hendrick stepped up. And he said, Kevin, Kevin, he tried to make me feel better. Kevin, let, let, let me just tell you something. Kevin, Kevin, I, I drove that track myself when I was younger. I came around for turn 12. I came down the hill high speed, and I said, I'm not going to be afraid. And he said, I took the turn, lost control, totaled it into the wall. <laughs> he said, I should have been afraid. You know, here's the reality. Some of us are lifting spiritually. Fear is overtaking our faith. Maybe nobody else can see it, but it creeps in. Maybe others of us are just saying, yeah, I don't care. Caution to the wind and we crash and burn. So what do you do with fear? It's no wonder God the Father, it's no wonder Jesus Christ, it's no wonder the Holy Spirit talks about fear and gives us, I'll put it in my picture, an awareness that you're not in the driver's seat. Come on now. That you got Jesus in the driver's seat, that you're in the passenger seat, that Jesus is fearless, that anxiety and worry is not undoing Jesus. He's not up there wringing his hands. Never saw the pandemic coming. Whoo, what are they going to do? I don't know. Let's leave it with them. Let them crash and burn. Let them lift. He's not up there worrying about this. In fact, there are reasons to be fearless. So I grabbed several scriptures. I'm going to read them for you, and you should get all fired up about this. Now listen, if you're not a person of faith and you're just listening in, Welcome. Get in the conversation. You're very aware you're not in control. You know fear comes in. When John was talking with groups of people, he said to them, I wish you had my faith. When, when, when he sits down with individuals or leading large in business or small, whatever scale, and they talk about worry and, and fear, he said, oh, oh, I know fear. I know anxiety. I wish you had my faith. I wish you had my peace. All John was doing is witnessing that we all live in the same world with fear. But Jesus will make you fearless. Why? Well, let me read the scriptures. You should fire us up. And if you're not a person of faith, think about what are you going to do with the invitation of God? He's drawn you to himself. Say yes to him. If you're a person of faith, then you get to surrender that to God. All those fears, and by the grace of God, become fearless. You like get out of the driver's seat, move over in the passenger seat, and let the pro drive. You'll do fine, just fine in turn 12. Why should we be fearless? Listen in on just several scriptures that I had in my journal, and I read them yesterday in prayer time. I'm going to read them here. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears, Psalm 34. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, Psalm 23. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? Psalm 27. God is our refuge and strength. 
strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Psalm 46. Here's another one. Peace I leave you. My peace, Jesus says, I give to you. Not as the world gives, so let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Luke 14. Do not be afraid, Matthew 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them fall to the ground apart from your heavenly Father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. What? Fear not. I couldn't hear you. What? Fear not. For you are of more value than sparrows. Second Timothy. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Hebrews 13. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can mankind do to me? Amen, church? That's the goodness of God. Since you don't have to live in that fear. So sometimes I just have to recognize that I feel the fear, the uncertainty, what I cannot control. Fear makes my foot lift. Sometimes I say I'm going to be fearless anyway, and I feel like I just wreck in the wall. Scripture is full of the encouragement. Be fearless. Listen, it's it's a command from Christ. He not only commands us to be fearless, but he gives us the capacity to live fearless. So, just some quick hows. How do you get past? You know, we're afraid because we don't know how everything plays out. I agree, we don't. I don't know how it plays out. But I'd be fearless because Jesus does. And he's in the driver's seat. That's why he gives us scriptures like Romans for all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So now that has to be renewed in you. Honestly, the most dominant scripture for me was Romans chapter 15, verse 5 and following over the last 18, 20 months. This is going to sound weak, but in that scripture, Paul's talking about mature believers being gracious to immature believers and how you handle certain things of faith. But in it, he said, the God of encouragement and endurance and the spirit of God, just, I latched onto that. You go read it in the NIV, the God who gives encouragement and endurance. And Paul says, may the God who gives encouragement, endurance, give you encouragement and endurance. So many times, I don't want anybody to know the weight of discouragement. And then I just pray, oh God, would you give me encouragement? You're the God who gives it. Because discouragement is dark and encouragement brings light to your soul. It helps you move from fear to fearless. God, give me endurance because things can get hard. And so they feel like they're uphill. And God gives you strength that's not of your own. So yes, you experience fear, but in the midst of it, you claim the promises of God. You switch the picture. You surrender things to him, and then surrendering the fear to him, you get in the passenger seat, and you say, okay, God, I know you've got this. I got to times, you know, figure out what am I afraid of? Everybody's got a, a three by five card. If you're at one of the campuses, maybe you're, you're, if you're home, you get one of those. You don't have to do it right now, but, but here's what you do. I, I do this often. I'll do it in my journal. I'm like, okay, I feel fear. What am I afraid of? And I'll just write down. The, these are my specific fears. I write them down before the Lord. 
You got to figure out what is it you're afraid of this underlying. What, what is this unraveling doing to you and why? What is the thing you are afraid of? What are you afraid of? Write it down. And sometimes, well, I'm going to fail. Okay. And God will have to pick me up. But sometimes it's talk to people. It's like, what if I lose my job? It's so uncertain. All right. Philippians 4, Paul talks about it. I've had plenty, and I've been in want, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Tap into his encouragement and his endurance. Why well, have anxiety? Write out, what am I fearful of? And then practice Philippians 4, where we've already been. Bring your request to God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Oh, but I get negative and critical. Then practice. Get beyond pessimism and cynical and think on these things, whatever is good and profitable. Hand that over to him. Pick up those fears. Just kind of rip that fear in pieces and say, God, I'm gonna, I can't let this own me. I can't let this control me. I'll just give that to you. And sometimes you know what the fear is. And when you write it down and rip it up and tear it up before the Lord and just lay it down to him and say, I leave that with you, it's because you can't control it. You can't what? Control. Write your fear down and be honest. You know what? I can't do anything about that. That's bigger than me. So God, I'm going to just rip that up and put that as an altar before you. I release that to you. Other times, listen, other times you can do something. Other times you can't. And so I take my fear, I tear it up and lay it before him. But then it's my turn to be faithful. To be what? Faithful. Listen, <laughs> let me say it this way. God covers fear, I cover faithful. Ooh. A whole lot of times we just sit in fear and then do nothing. When you surrender fear and you do everything you can do. I jotted down, where, what does it mean? Where can I be faithful? Uh, be faithful in godly values. Be faithful to, to build God, honor, and relationships in marriage and family with kids and, 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 and in the church and in the community. Be faithful to the mission of God for his church. Be, be, be faithful in character. Be faithful to honoring God in tithes and offerings and giving. Be faithful to keep my word. Be faithful to personal disciplines. In other words, I can choose to eat smart and work out or, or, or not. I can choose to get sleep or not. I, I, can, I can choose to honor budget, resist sin, put boundaries on indulgence. Think on good things. Keep learning. Be humble. Pray faithfully. Uh, be morally pure. Uh, if I'm dating, date responsibly. Limit my TV and, and video. Do healthy things, not hurtful things. Resist bitterness. Be generous. In other words, listen, God's given you a chance to be faithful. You have choices to make in this. Amen? You have, you have a role in this. So it's a whole bunch of the times you get past fear by just being faithful. By the way, one of the be faithful is where Jason left off. Be faithful as a worker in the harvest. So we're going to take a moment. In fact, I'm going to have the band come out, and we're going to sit in the very moment that Jason referred to with the song available. So the band will come out. We're going to have a response moment. We've been in this for five weeks now, and there's a couple of things I want to encourage you to do. Wherever you are, 12 Stone Campus, 12 Stone Home, I want to encourage you before the Lord. Some of you in the campus, you have a three-by-five card. Get it out in front of you. Grab a pen. And 
take a moment during this song when you declare before the Lord, I am available. I hear you call. I'm available. And then you begin to surrender. Here, here are my fears. You write those down before the Lord in the course of this song. And when you're done writing those down, just tear them up. Lord, these can't control me. These can't own me. You're not fearless. May my faith take over. You might want to put it in your Bible, put it in your pocket. You might, at a campus, you might want to bring it forward and lay it on the stage. You don't have to, but if that's meaningful, like almost as an offering before the Lord and just say, I got, I got to lay that before you, Lord. I'm letting all kinds of fears overtake my faith because fear and faith can't occupy the same space. Simultaneously, not only write your fear and surrender it, but pick up a pebble. I want you to see on the screen a reminder of where we were last week. Just, just remember this little pebble when we said if everyone takes a pebble and throws it in the water, the collective creates a major wake and splash. Just check this out and remember. When it's five of us and six of us and 50 of us and 150 and 500 of us and you just keep going into the thousands of us every day. You start to see the impact. Come on, that makes sense. When we do it all together, it's pebbles. When we do it individually, but all of us together make a big splash for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. So, as you walk out today, there's going to be buckets with pebbles, and it could be meaningless. But if all sincerity of heart, you make this your commitment before the Lord, I'm in. I'm in on the vision. I'm in to surrender fear, but to be a worker in the harvest field. I'm in, God. Maybe that means I sign up for growth track, throw in with jambos, engage in the things that you've called us to. Hey, maybe for some of you, the majority of you pick them up on the, on the way out. Maybe some of you during the song, you have to come forward and pick one up because it really is going to be a, a, an altar for you, so to speak, to just come forward and pick one up. That's fine. Or you can get it on the way out. The majority will get it on the way out. So band's going to sing. You can stand. You can sit. You have this moment to respond to the Lord. Write your fears and surrender them. Get past fear. God, I give it to you. Pick up the pebble and say, I'm in. I'm in. I'm available for what you have for me. Let's seal this marking moment before the Lord. God helps us push forward. Worship him well.
Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry 
is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 Stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 Stone Church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories. And make sure to tag 12 Stone Church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.